All right. Good morning. Um, so one of the things that I just wanted to say at the beginning was uh, it's uh, complex to create artwork that's representative of all people, right? And that's one thing. Um, the 2017 artwork, I had images of people on there, and I really tried to uh, make them representative of all the different people we have in our church. And one thing I noticed, I teach art in St. Paul. I have a lot of East African students, a lot of Karen students, a lot of Hmong students. And when you show them master artworks, you know, it's white guys <laughs> making art with white people in it. <laughs> and so that can be really alienating to a lot of people. And so when I start, I really try and think and pray through um, how do we come up with something that represents everybody? So in this top section, um, what I was thinking about was how a lot of the world's uh, nations, and in that um, Isaiah 42, uh, it says it talks about the islands. So I kind of took the continents and twisted them and uh, distorted them a little bit and turned them and put them out of order and uh, tried to think about um, the, the peace of God moving across um, the countries and the islands and the nations. And then I, I chose colors because uh, even though in Minnesota, when we get to summer, we have bright green and bright blue skies and bright blue water. For a lot of the world, that's not the reality. A lot of our world is war-torn, desolate, desolate places. So I tried to pick colors that kind of matched um, what a lot of people's experiences. Um, and in part two there, uh, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Gotta find my notes. Sorry. What happened? Okay. Um, in part two, so I was thinking about things that are out of balance, right? And I was trying to conceive how when we're talking about the God of justice and living justice, how the impossibly unjust can be made just mm. through God's, through God's power, and only through God's power. So I had this perception or this uh, image of a dumbbell, right? Not, not myself, but a, <laughs> a, a, a dumbbell that's totally out of balance, hundreds of pounds on one side and five pounds on the other side, and that through God, somebody could hold that and have it balanced. Hmm. And it's something that's impossible, right? Hmm. So the visual image, I wanted these uh, dumbbells to be all over, hmm. right? In the front and the back. So if you look carefully, there's some in the back. And there, you just see them over and over again because we've got so many unjust things that need justice. And in uh, part three, uh, one of the verses that struck me the most was uh, in that Isaiah 42. And it says, I am the Lord, that is my name. And when I read that and thought through what I know about uh, God and God's identification of himself, at the burning bush, right? At the burning bush, God says, I am. Mo Moses says, who are you? He says, I am. So in this, when I read it, it sounds like that first line is God saying God's name. I am the Lord. I am is part of my name. And the Lord, you know, is equivocal with Jesus being there at the beginning, the Word, and through all time. So we've got this incredibly complex identification by God of this is my name. I am the Lord. 
And I like that this is my name. Like, <laughs> you better remember who I am. I'm telling you, and you better remember. And I think of all of the people, all of the pop music stars we have, how many people have sung choruses and songs with, I, you know, this is my name, listen to me. And they're all clamoring for that identification of the power, right, mm -hmm. that comes in a name. And that's in human names. Mm -hmm. well, I teach in St. Paul, and one of the classes that middle schoolers teach is called, or they take is called AVID. And in AVID, the first lesson they learn for academic success is how to do a successful introduction. So I have these kids who bring these slips of paper up to me, and I have to check off. Yes, said name. Yes, looked me in the eye. <laughs> yes, had firm handshake. Because they learn for them to be recognized and them to have an identity. It starts with a name. And it starts with claiming that name. And that's a human name. Hmm. This is God telling us, this is my name. Yeah. So when we talk about living justice, none of it can happen without right. identifying who God is. So those are some of my thoughts. And I said to Andrew, and he was a little nervous, if anybody <laughs> has a question, I'll take a couple questions. If people want to ask a question about the artwork or something you were thinking about uh, while you were looking at it. Anybody want to ask me anything? You can also ask me later. I did it in watercolor, so I usually work in watercolor. That's what my background is. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we are really grateful to have many artists in this congregation, and uh, for the third year in a row, Andy has blessed us with uh, the artwork that we put on the bulletin cover. So thank you very, very much. We are honored. Um, and uh, I just want to briefly read, uh, Andy was referring to uh, Isaiah chapter 42, and I just want to read where that's from uh, before I move on. Uh, it says in Isaiah 42, Here is my servant whom, I'm, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. That's what this whole year is about. He will not shout out or cry out, he, or raise his voice in the street, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and the new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Amen. So that's what we, that's what, think about that passage when we look at that bulletin each week. We're really grateful for that. Thank you, Andy. Um, <clears throat> and of course, uh, we have the new artwork because uh, it is 2019, the year for living justice. Now, uh, really interesting uh, in uh, preparation for this, uh, this year and for this message and this theme, uh, 
we've had some people say to us, I don't think you should use the word justice. And, you know, that's understandable. So some, some people have said that, that, that the, the culture has stolen that word and has hijacked that word and used it for its own secular purposes. And so, therefore, we shouldn't use the word justice in our theme for the year. And, you know, I thought a lot about that. But here's the thing. You know another word that's been stolen by our culture and it's been used to justify and, and even excuse and even bless all kinds of evil stuff? It's the word love, right? The love. Ever For 40 years now, we've been struggling with our culture having stolen the word love from us. And, uh, but what would happen to our reading of the Bible if we took out the word love? If we didn't exhort each other to love one another? If we didn't tell each other that God loves us, right? And the word justice, that concept, may not be quite as overwhelming in the Bible as love, but it's, it's up there. It's like in the top five or something, right? So we don't want to take the word love or out of our whole experience as Christians, and we don't want to take the word justice out either. So that's why we are sticking with the word uh, justice. And, uh, and, and it's not just any justice. We're, we're not... We're, we're not just proclaiming the justice that the world proclaims. We're proclaiming living justice, and it's biblical justice. Now, Pastor Steve, if uh, you've been here in the last couple weeks, you know that uh, the, there's, this word justice is really complex. He introduced us a couple weeks ago to this star of justice. There's basically these uh, six big aspects of the idea of justice. You've got forensic justice, that's like legal. Is something legal? Does it does it pass uh, the law? Is it legal or illegal according to God's law? Uh, retributive justice—that's the whole idea of punishing the wicked, punishing those who break God's justice. Uh, there's restorative justice, uh, and that's the whole idea of, of restoring what has been lost. Uh, you know, a lot of the st- uh, if you guys, um, Pastor Steve last week referenced the book of Acts, and uh, in in that book uh, there was a story there of the the blind beggar uh, and. When the, if you read the whole context there, the apostles, when they healed him, uh, or God healed him through the apostles, they weren't, uh, that, they didn't see that as charity, they saw that as justice, actually. The healing of this blind beggar and his inclusion into the body of Christ, that was seen as justice by the apostles, not as charity. Um, so, uh, and then you've got uh, our conduct and our standard, uh, and, you know, Pastor Steve um, uh, reminded... Uh, um, got the, the level here and the uh, tape measure to remind us about those aspects of justice. And so there's all these different aspects of justice. And in the center of it all, there's fairness. Uh, the whole idea of fairness that, you know, you can, if you take something away from a two-year-old, they get the, word, the idea of fairness right away. It's like, that's not fair. Um, so, um, so all these concepts, and that makes it complex. And part of the problem that's happened in our secular culture today is that we have whole political movements that are formed exclusively around just one of the points of the Star of Justice. Does that make sense? Like we've got whole political movements who are talking about it. We're, we're all about justice, but they sometimes will ignore several of the other points. They might build themselves all around restorative justice, for example, or they might build themselves exclusively only around retributive justice. And 
So, and I'm sure all of you can think about some of the co- conflicts and some of the fights, that, and, uh, whether it's about politics or social issues that go on in our culture today. They're happening. Both groups are thinking, I'm, I'm all about justice, but they're sort of ignoring the other points of justice, and, uh, and they're thinking just about this one point of justice. Does that, does that make sense? You guys can kind of see where some of the confusion, some of the arguments, some of the conflict comes from because we build everything uh, uh, around uh, just one point of justice. But if we're going to be biblical Christians, uh, if we're going to follow in the way of Yahweh, if we're going to follow in the footsteps of God, if we're going to continue to um, move along the path that God has charted out for us, along the map that he's given us, uh, if we're going to be... the kind of people who are shaped by the word of God, then we need to stay connected with all of the points of justice on that star of justice. Not just one of them, not just a couple of them, but all five, including the, and then the sixth concept of uh, fairness in the center, okay? And, and that, is, that is really important if we're going to be people of the book. Now, uh, some people... Uh, will say, um, okay, that's great, uh, but it's too complex. Um, you've made it too complex for me, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Steve. You've, 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 uh, it's too hard. I need something simple, okay? Well, <clears throat> Pastor Steve helped us get a little simpler last week. Um, he uh, brought up these points that throughout history, the church has been spreading justice um, through kind of three main ways. Uh, we've been spreading, spreading justice through evangelism, all right? In evangelism, you know, that's the, uh, that's the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 17.6 and Deuteronomy 19.15, uh, and that's the idea where when, when we testify, uh, you, it's, there's a reason why we call them testimonies, because the Bible gives us this picture of us standing in a court of law, testifying to the truth that Jesus is the king. There's a new king in town. He has overturned the old systems of darkness, and he's in charge now. So when we evangelize, we are spreading justice throughout the earth. We're helping people come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, the new king, the right king. Um, and so that's, that's one way we've been spreading justice for 2,000 years. A second way we've been spreading justice is our new economic shape, okay? Now, before the church came along, throughout almost any part of the world you would go to, if you weren't part of the bloodline of the family, you had absolutely no hope of anything getting provided for you beyond what you could, you or your family could earn, okay? So if you were poor, you stayed poor. Um, and uh, there was no hope that some rich family was going to be nice to you and start handing out goodies to you, all right? But in the church, a new family was created. There was a whole new definition of who's in the family and who's not. And it's not based on who, what family you were born into. It was based into the fact that you were reborn into Christ. And if you were reborn into Christ, there's a new economic shape that impacts you. And now, guess what? It's like it, you're part of the family. So just like being part of the family, uh, other people in the family are going to share resources with you. So the church for the last 2,000 years has been spreading this idea and, uh, and, and living this way, sometimes not very well, sometimes we've been doing a great job, but, but we have been spreading this idea of a new economic shape, and, uh, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, if, 
you trace back the history of any hospital today, um, any um, charity work, any um, uh, social work program, um, almost all of it goes back to some uh, inspiration from, from the church. Uh, the church was the one that sparked almost all those movements. Many of them have become secularized now, but all that started with the church and that very idea that we should be sharing and loving and spreading and, uh, and caring for uh, the, the less fortunate among us, uh, that was God's idea. That was through the church. Um, uh, the third way Pastor Steve talked to us about was the new ethnic shape. All right, remember I said uh, it's no longer based on the family you were born in. Uh, now, if you're reborn in Christ, you're in the family, so it has, doesn't matter what your skin looks like. It doesn't matter what your background is, what your original language was. None of that matters. In, it does matter because God made you that way, but it doesn't matter in the sense it doesn't exclude you from being in or uh, make you outside of the family, all right? Uh, if you are born, reborn in Christ, then there's, you have a new ethnicity, a new identity that's bigger than your national origin, your original tribe, your skin uh, color. You have a new ethnic shape. And so the church has been spreading that, uh, spreading the justice of God, the living justice of God, through these three main ways. And that helps us uh, when we're thinking about um, the, uh, uh, when, when we're thinking about the star of justice. But um, some of you are going to say, I need it real simple. I need it even simpler than that. That's three things. It's too many things. <laughs> so keep it more simple for me, okay? So to keep it real simple, here's one verse. If you forget all the other verses that we're going to throw at you this year, remember this verse. Come back to it. Um, and that is when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice. And, and all these things will be added to you. Now, some of you might say, wait a second. I thought the quote was, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, if you remember, the last couple weeks, Pastor Steve has reminded, has told us that that word righteousness and justice are interchangeable. Both of those words, it's the same word in Greek, and in Hebrew, those words are almost always together. They were almost used, they're almost always together, so they're meaning they're basically uh, synonyms. All right, and so uh, the word uh, justice uh, in the New Testament. Anytime you see the word justice, it could also be righteousness. Anytime you see the word righteousness, it could also be justice. So try that as a little challenge as you're reading through the New Testament or the Old Testament. Uh, kind of flip those words around and see what that does uh, to your brain as you're thinking about that. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and that is going to help us with this the complexity of this star. Um, to get on target with this idea of justice, um, hold on to this concept of seeking first the kingdom of God and his justice, and then all these things will be added to you. But here's a question we have to ask ourselves before we get into this year of living justice. Here's the question. Are we going to pursue living justice or are we going to pursue dead justice? Are we going to pursue living justice, or are we going to pursue dead justice? Did you know there is such a thing as dead justice? Jesus identified dead justice. 
in most of his controversy. Jesus was a very controversial figure. Uh, he was always getting into fights, always getting into tangles with, with uh, various people. And, uh, and, and Jesus um, defined his whole approach of following God in opposition to this dead justice. Uh, Paul the Apostle, when he was writing, he wrote most of the New Testament, his vision of God's righteousness or God's justice was opposite of this dead justice. In fact, he, he, if you read through a lot of his letters, uh, and, and you're going to find out, those of, you, those of you who are going to the Lutz's house starting this week uh, for their new Bible study, you're going to dive into Galatians, and that whole book is about this contrast between living justice and dead justice. So what is this dead justice? Well, uh, anyone know who Jesus' big opponents were here on earth? His big? The Pharisees, all right? Sadducees too, but mainly the Pharisees. And so uh, their whole vision of justice was a dead justice. And so I want us to spend a few minutes this morning meditating on the difference between the dead justice of the Pharisees and the living justice of Jesus. Now, this is really important because, see, what we're about to do, we're going to wrap up our, our uh, journey through the first five books of the Bible, the Torah or the Pentateuch. Uh, we've been in Genesis and then Exodus. It's been a couple years now, but we're actually going to kind of zoom through uh, the following three books a little more quickly. Uh, it's going to be tempting for all of us uh, I know it was really tempting for me the first couple times I read through uh, those. It was tempting for me to adopt the dead justice of the Pharisees. Why would it be tempting? It's dead. Well, it's easier, okay? The dead justice of the Pharisees is easier, and, it, it, uh, and it, our, our, our flesh, our sinful nature, likes it. Uh, our flesh, our sinful nature, isn't killed by dead justice. It's made more alive by dead justice. So, um, so it's easier to fall into dead justice. It's, so when we spend the next few months wrapping up the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, um, my challenge to you and my challenge to me is to approach, uh, to approach it with the, the vision of Jesus for his living justice in contrast to the dead justice of the Pharisees. So... Um, we're going to spend a little time reading in Matthew chapter 23. So if you could look in Matthew 23, go ahead there with me for a minute. Matthew chapter 23. Um, <clears throat> the first big contrast with the dead justice of the Pharisees and the living justice of Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 23, that, that whole chapter is a sermon of Jesus's, and in that, he just, he rips the Pharisees down. He just tears into them and, uh, and just obliterates them. Uh, so if, if you want to know what dead justice is, take a look at Jesus's critiques of the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. The whole book of Matthew, by the way, is, I've heard it called a manual for hunting Pharisees. In other words, if you really want to go after the uh, Pharisees in your life or the Pharisee in you, then read through the book of Matthew. Um, the whole book is like that. Uh, so in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, this is what Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. 
You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important, or what other versions call the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Interesting critique there. See, uh, in, the, in the law, as we're about to read, uh, the, everybody was commanded to tithe a tenth of what they had. Uh, one tenth was to go to the temple, and then to tithe another tenth that was to go to the poor. And, uh, and, and they were to take the first fruits of their crop um, uh, before they enjoyed any of it themselves, and they were to give that away. Now, uh, the Pharisees might not have a plot of land, but they might have a little spot in their kitchen for a few little garden plants. They might have a little pot with some mint or some cumin or some dill there and uh, leave it out there on the windowsill to grow in the sunlight. And uh, they were very careful to, uh, you know, clip the, you know, a tenth of that little pot of plant and make sure that that went either to the temple or to the poor. And that was, that's a good thing. Jesus even says you, you, you should have, you know, go ahead and practice that. But uh, here's the thing. They were doing it to the neglect of what Jesus called the more important or the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And so somehow in their focus on the details and making sure they get it exactly right to get a tenth and no more and no less, but get a tenth of those little mint plants, uh, somehow they had neglected the heart of the law, the essence of the law, the spirit of the law, that the law is all about faithfulness, justice, and mercy. And so the dead justice of the Pharisees is nitpicky in, in the way, in, in to the degree that it neglects the weightier matters of the law. Whereas Jesus' living version of uh, his version of living justice, it is connected to justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So when we get into Leviticus uh, pretty soon here, it's going to be easy for all of us to kind of get lost. We're going to, there's all these details and it's going to get easy for us to get lost with that. It is really important to put on a pair of lenses uh, of justice, mercy, and faithfulness to keep reminding yourself as you read through it Oh, this is all about justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And even the parts, some of you are going to come to parts in the law that you're just not going to get. It's just not going to make sense. It's not going to be easy to understand. When you do that, remind yourself, this somehow is related back to justice, mercy, and faithfulness. All right? So that is really important to keep this in mind as we dive into uh, the law. Because we want to approach the law through the lens of Jesus' living justice and not the Pharisees' version of dead justice. Okay, the second way that Jesus' version was different than the Pharisees' version was the Pharisees' version was fear-motivated, but Jesus' version was love-motivated, okay? So we don't have time to go into all the reasons why this is the case, but uh, if you especially go back uh, and read uh, the Sermon on the Mount, chapter, it's Matthew chapters 5 through 7, um, and that's where we get the quote, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice will be added to you, or, <clears throat> and all these things will be added to you. We find out that what was motivating the Pharisees and other people was a fear 
that God wasn't going to provide for them, things, that things uh, weren't going to get taken care of. And so they saw the law as a way to, like, if I'm really obedient, then I, that's a way I'm going to twist God's arm and get him to provide for me. Does that, does that make sense? And, and the Pharisees, you know, they had their history in mind. They studied their history. That was one good thing about them. They knew their history. And in their history, they knew that hundreds of years earlier, uh, God had, because of their, the sins of the people, because the people weren't following the law, God had taken away the land from them. He had uh, sent in the Assyrians who had wiped out all of the uh, other 11 tribes of Israel because of their sins. And, uh, and the only ones who were left were the Jews of Judah. And, uh, and then just 100 years later, the Babylonians came and uh, took captive that land. And they brought the people into exile. They were in exile for 70 years. And they got to come back uh, through God's mercy and God's grace. But they knew, the Pharisees knew, that the reason the land had been taken away from them was that the people had disobeyed the law. And here they are again. The Pharisees saw themselves as it's our job to make sure people obey the law. Um, and they, they, uh, but they were doing it out of fear. They were doing it, if we don't make people obey the law, then God's going to come and take away the land. Uh, and so the, I have, one of the version, verses I have up there, John eleven forty eight. 48, it says there that the, one of the reasons the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus was because wa- they were afraid the Romans were going to come and take away uh, their land. And they thought, oh no, if, if Jesus keeps teaching what he's teaching, if he keeps telling people to keep the law the way he's telling them to do it, then the Romans are going to come and take away our land, like the Syrians did before, like the Babylonians did before. And so there was fear underlying their, uh, their, their keeping of the law. But Jesus commanded us to keep the law with love. Because, be, because we love God, that's why we want to keep the law. Because God is so lovely, because he is worthy of our love, that's why we want to follow in his footsteps. All right? So we need to have that in mind as we move on in the next few chapters of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. A third difference between Jesus and the Pharisees was that the Pharisees' vision uh, for keeping the law, their their dead justice, was self-promoting. But the living justice of Jesus was God-promoting. Um, in, uh, if you look with me, and we're still in Matthew 23, I want to uh, look up at verse 5. It, this is what Jesus says about the Pharisees. Everything they, he's talking about the Pharisees, everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. Uh, phylacteries were these little boxes that uh, uh, they would wear on their heads, and in the boxes would be little uh, scriptures. Uh, sometimes you see Orthodox Jews today still wearing those. Um, and then they, were, they would have scarves with these long tassels. The, in Deuteronomy, it both and in Leviticus, it says to wear these phylacteries, and it says to wear these tassels. But what the Pharisees did was they made their phylacteries, phylacteries extra big, and they made their tassels extra long so that everybody would see them. So instead, the, the reason God wanted them to, to do that was to remind themselves of the truth, but the Pharisees were interested in showing other people that they were uh, holy. So it says in verse 6, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. And so 
<clears throat> what we see there is the whole motivation behind keeping the law for the Pharisees was to demonstrate to other people how holy they were. And that is the quickest way for you and I to enter into dead justice. It, um, if, if our goal in life is to show other people how holy we are, either other Christians or non-Christians, uh, if, if our goal in life is to get any kind of benefit uh, from how we appear or how we look or the impression we make on other people or the image we are able to maintain for other people, then we've entered into the dead justice of the Pharisees. And instead, Jesus's justice was God promoting. Now, it, it, it's, uh, we don't have time to dive into all of uh, the biblical proof underneath that, but in our verse that I, I've, I've said I want you to hold on to, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice, and all these things will be added to you. The very motive of wanting to keep God's ways is for his kingdom, for him to get his justice. Um, it's God-promoting instead of self-promoting. So three big differences between dead justice and living justice. Now, I want to leave us this morning, I, I want you to be able to leave with something concrete you can do about this. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes even the idea, seek first his kingdom and his justice, um, it's a beautiful idea, and it's helped me out a lot over the years, but even that, I, I, well, what does that actually mean? Uh, what, what, what is my life, uh, di- how is my life different um, by, um, by, by doing that? What, what, what do I do differently for that? And so, um, in our last little bit, I'm going to take us through uh, the Lord's Prayer because the, um, my advice for you this morning, if you want to seek first his kingdom and his justice, it is simply to pray the Lord's Prayer. Now, the reason I say that, some, some of you have had the Lord's Prayer memorized since almost infancy, and some of you know how to just by rote uh, repeat the words um, and uh, you know, some of you grew up in a tradition where it's all just about just kind of blabbing out the words and you don't even know what they mean or, or you're not even thinking about the meaning. That's, that's not what I'm talking about when I say the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not a, and no, no prayer, in fact, from Scripture is a magical mantra that, that uh, makes things happen. It's not, you're not to approach it superstitiously. Um, but as we're going to see in a minute, when we look at the content of the Lord's Prayer, we're going to find out that the Lord's Prayer it's, it's God's whole agenda right there. It's when we look at the Lord's prayer, we're going to find out that God's whole plan for spreading justice through the world is actually right there in the Lord's prayer. And so when we pray it, gradually what, what can happen is that our heart will become aligned with God's purpose and agenda. Our heart will become aligned with God's purpose and agenda as we pray this. I personally pray this all the time. When I tell somebody I'm going to pray for you and then I do pray for them, I actually insert them into the Lord's prayer and I pray through the Lord's prayer for them because I know that is God's will for them. That, that is the best way I can be praying for them. Jesus told us to pray this way. He to, and, and in fact, Jesus told us to pray the Lord's prayer in contrast to how the Pharisees were praying. They, when, when they would pray, they would uh, pray on the, on the corners, the street corners, so everybody could see them. Uh, when they would 
um, uh, hand out alms uh, to the poor, they would have somebody announce it um, that they were going to share uh, with the poor. Okay, uh, when, and the pagans, when they would pray, they would they would use meaningless repetition uh, with their words um, because they were afraid God wouldn't provide for them. So they had to use like words like a magical incantation to make God do something for them. And Jesus said, in contrast to that, pray this way. Okay, so most of us have this memorized, but I want us to go through it line by line because I want you to see. Why, if you pray this way, that's going to help bring your heart into alignment with God's will. And, that, and, and when you pray it, you will be seeking first his kingdom and his justice. Um, so uh, the first phrase, uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed, it's an old English word. And what it means is, God, I want your name to be seen for the holy good thing that it really is. Most of, most of the time, most people drag the name of God through the mud, or at very best, we may maybe ignore the name of God, uh, don't even know it's there, uh, and yet, and, and, but, but some people it's used as, a, as an actual swear word. When we pray this, we're praying that God's name would be seen for the holy, righteous, good, beautiful thing that it is, the kind of thing that makes our jaw drop in awe because of how good God is. God's whole uh, reputation, God's whole character is summarized in his name. When uh, Andy was sharing earlier about, uh, from Isaiah 42, uh, God says, uh, I am the Lord, uh, that is my name. Um, that's, like, that's like saying, take this really seriously because my name is that important. All right? So we're praying first and foremost that God's name would be hallowed. Uh, the second request, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now, this is going to be really hard for people who've grown up in America to get. If you haven't grown up in America, you might have a little bit easier time to get this, uh, possibly. But uh, so our secular vision of justice, uh, usually it, you know, there's all kinds of secular visions of justice out there. But the biblical vision of justice has a king at the center of it. The biblical vision of justice is about a kingdom with a king. Now, that's different if you've grown up in America, we haven't had a king, uh, we haven't had a dictator, and we think, uh, we, we, we don't think of justice as being about uh, the enthronement of a king. But in the, the, the biblical arc, the biblical story, um, it's all about the enthronement of the king, and then the king is the one who brings justice by punishing his enemies, uh, by destroying his opposition, by prospering and caring for his people, by providing for them. Uh, and so when, when we pray for his kingdom to come, uh, we're, we're, saying, we're acknowledging all of our good fortunes, all of our welfare, all of the injustices that we face, all of the grievances that we have. All of that is solved by the enthronement of Jesus. All of our struggles, all of our challenges, the answer to all of those are found by the enthronement of a king. And so when we're praying, uh, your kingdom come, we're, we're, we're saying, you know, God, I want your enemies to be smashed. I want your opponents to be destroyed. I want uh, the injustices in this world that are against your law, that are against your ways, I want them to be addressed, the grievances people have to be redressed in you. Um, and we're praying for him to be put on that throne. And of course, we are 
both anticipating the day when Jesus comes back, and, and that's when he will finish all of those things. But in the meantime, we're praying that he'd be enthroned in my heart, and he'd be enthroned in other people's hearts, and he'd be enthroned over situations. He'd be in, we can still pray he'd be th- enthroned over whole nations and a whole, over whole cultures, okay? So that's at the very heart of Jesus' living justice is this vision of him as the king. The third request, um, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, all right? So you've probably heard this in stories, uh, you know, um, where someone said, you know, a, a servant of a king says, your wish is my command. Um, uh, they, throughout the world, they did actually used to say that. Some places still do that. They say, your wish is my command. And uh, the idea there even if not all kings or queens have been good throughout history, the idea there is that um, if the king wants something, if the king wishes something, if the king desires something, <clears throat> then that's my good also. Um, my, I am most benefited when the king gets his way. And uh, now, obviously, throughout history, that isn't always the case. We've had plenty of evil tyrants and dicta- dictators and rulers and kings who've done a terrible job uh, ruling but the theory behind it uh, throughout most of history is that if the king's doing well and he's getting his way, then I'm benefiting and I'm getting, then that means I'm, the best thing that's happening to me possible is happening. And so when we pray your will be done, we're saying, God, I want you to get your way. I want you to have what you want. I want the, the thing that you desire to be accomplished and I want it to be accomplished here on earth because I know that's what's going to be best for me. And it's going to be best for the people I'm praying for. Sometimes people come and they ask me to pray, uh, will you pray that this will, ha- you know, that I get this car? Or will you pray that I get this job? Or will you pray that that opportunity opens for me? And, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll ask for those things. But in that, I will also say, God, your will be done. Uh, because it's acknowledging that this person's vision of the car they wanted might not be God's vision, but God's got something better. And part of Christian maturity is recognizing, God, whatever your will is, that's actually better than what my will is. All right, so, so with this request, we're acknowledging his will is better, and we're acknowledging, we're, we're also submitting our will to his. Um, and, and I want you to notice these first three re- requests, this is really interesting, you guys. These first three requests, these are the first requests. Did you notice we haven't even gotten to my needs yet. We haven't even gotten to what I want yet. The whole, all the first three requests. In a kingdom, the king gets their needs met first. In a kingdom, the king's priorities become everybody else's priorities. All right? And so when we're praying the Lord's Prayer, um, uh, this is the order God wants us to pray in. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, uh, I mean, you can pray... God doesn't want us to go through this rigidly. You can pray any of these requests at any, at any time, and you're, you're, you're driving along, and a semi is coming at you across the road. You know, Jesus, help me! You know, it's, you don't have to wait and say, oh, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, you know, before you, before you say, Jesus, help me! You know, just pray, Jesus, help me! Um, if that semi is coming at you. Um, so I, I don't mean being rigid about the order, okay? But in general, our prayer life needs to put God first, Okay, 
And that is the pathway towards maturity. That's how we seek his kingdom first and his justice by praying his way first. So when, when, I, when I'm not having a semi barreling down on me and I don't have to scream, Jesus, help me! Uh, when, um, when, I, when I have the luxury of, of praying <laughs> um, uh, and someone asks, will you pray for this uh, for me? I, I first pray your uh, hallowed be your name in this person's life. And then I pray your kingdom come your rule and reign, your authority may be exerted in this person's life. May this person come under more direct submission to your kingship um, in this life. And then, and then I pray your will be done in their life like it's always done in heaven. And whatever they want, I, I want what you want more uh, in their life. So that's how, I, that's how I, I pray for people. And I pray for this, this way in this order for people. Um, so, that's important, not- noticing the order. But partway through this uh, prayer request, we do get to give us this day um, our daily bread. And, and this is part of justice. Uh, as I mentioned before, um, when the apostles healed, uh, or God healed through the apostles, um, that beggar in the book of Acts, they saw that as justice, not as charity. Um, and so it's, it's good to pray for the people who don't have their needs met. Um, including ourselves. And, and what helps this from being a selfish prayer is that it says, forgive us this day, our daily bread. It's not just give me, give us. So you're including yourself in with all the other people whose needs need to get met as well. Um, this request, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Uh, obviously, we could preach many sermons on this, uh, but the thing I want to point out about this today uh, most people, the, one of the big differences between a secular view of justice today and Jesus's view of justice, in a secular view of justice, this is what um, our, our justice warriors are often doing. They are scolding the rest of us about how bad we are, all right? You are doing it wrong, and you are bad and bad and bad, and all, all political spectrums, right, left, center, everybody's doing that, okay? It's not just one group that's doing that, but it's scolding other people about what they're not doing right, okay? Jesus's vision of justice turns it completely on its head, okay? And instead of scolding the other people for what they're not doing right, Jesus asks us to look within and turn it on ourselves and see where there's a plank in our eye before we try to remove the speck out of somebody else's eye, okay? And so when we're seeking justice, you're not seeking justice. Those bad people out there are doing it all wrong. We are seeking justice inside of ourselves. We're saying, God, I haven't been just. I haven't been in alignment with your living justice. Uh, and, and here I, I come to you in my brokenness. Would you please forgive me for how I've violated, however small it might appear, even though those people out there might look like they're doing it just, just a terrible, terrible things, God, come and examine me first, okay? So, um, and then lastly, um, the, the last part of this prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. I, I put one in parentheses there because it's perfectly legitimate in Greek to translate it either deliver us from, the e- from evil or to translate it uh, deliver us from the evil one, meaning the devil or evil as in just general evil. Both are totally le- legitimate. 
Um, uh, this is really important to pray because when we do sin, uh, we are violating that living justice. Again, if we're one of these justice warriors and we're scolding everybody else for how bad they are, and we're not looking within, we are missing a major part of uh, the, the conduct and the standard God has for us personally. <laughs> All right? And <clears throat> so in this prayer, what you're asking is that uh, you would actually have victory over temptation and you would actually be enabled by his spirit to walk in the light. And by God's grace, uh, you and I can walk in the light and keep his commands and walk with him, all right? And so, and, and I pray this for other, other people too, uh, when I'm praying for them, uh, that God would give them victory, not just that he would provide their needs for them. I do pray for that, but I also pray that God would give them victory to walk in the light. Because every situation, we're all, every day, many, many times throughout the day, we're tempted uh, to not walk in God's living justice. And so, uh, so we need to pray for each other, pray for ourselves that we would walk in the light. So if we could have the worship team come on up. And uh, this song uh, that we're going to sing, I, I just want to encourage you to make this song During the song, give yourself to Jesus and commit yourself to seek his kingdom first and his living justice, trusting that all these other things that make you anxious will be added to you. Um, uh, And so the challenge for you um, now, the challenge for me, the challenge for all of us is in this year of living justice is to give ourselves wholly to the idea of seeking first his kingdom and his justice. So, so let's start now. Let's give our hearts to him um, uh, and trust him to enable us to walk in the light. <clears throat>